Good morning. I want to begin uh, our time together today, first of all, by reminding you that uh, in front of you, in the pew backs, are connection cards, and they're there for your convenience. And if Lord, the Lord lays something on your heart that you need to pray about or want us to pray with you about, or if there's a decision that you choose to make today, and uh, you need to communicate that with us, just any way we can help you, please make use of those, and you'll see one of, uh, one of our staff, or you can give it to me as you depart today. But just remember that they're there, especially during invitation time. The scripture in Psalm 139 says this, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Search me and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. I doubt there's anybody here today who's had any anxiety at all. But if you have, the Bible has it covered. And see if there is any wicked way in me. And lead me in the everlasting. David is praying a prayer of introspection. He's asking God to show him the things in his life that need to be healed, that need to be changed, that need to be made better. And we've been talking and using this verse over the last month or so and looking at things in all of our lives that we don't necessarily see as some great big dangerous sin, but we're asking God to demonstrate to us how powerful a negative force they can be in our life. We talked about lying. That was two weeks ago. Nobody's here told a lie since then, right? Good. Last week we talked about gossip. I went three of the seven days without gossiping about anybody, I want you to know. And the other four, I I felt really bad for what I said about you as I remembered the message. Today we're going to talk about anger. Now, anger is a very, very interesting uh, component in our life. Uh, kind of comes out a lot of different ways, and, and, and it happens before you know it. And our reaction to uh, getting mad or how it, uh, how it erupts is completely different in all of our lives. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to think for about five seconds about the last time you were furious. You were good and mad. Think about what that is. And I want you to turn to your neighbor. Now hold on a second before you start talking. I want you to, th- I want you to tell them what happened and how you reacted and what the consequences were of your anger. Okay? Have a talk quickly.
Now, I have found, as, and if you need to finish it, if you just got to the good part, or if you're telling somebody about your anger and you've gotten mad at them because they won't pay attention or whatever it is, you just keep going. Here's what I've found about anger, is that there are some people who are really ashamed of their anger, really regretful about their anger. You know, I, I feel so bad, it just flew all over me. And then there are some people who are proud of it. Yeah, I showed him. You don't mess with me. You know, my husband thinks he can get by with that. He's got something else coming. You know, there, there are some of you today who are proud of your anger. Here's what the Bible says about anger in Ephesians 4. Be angry and do not sin. It's in verse 26. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Now, what's the Bible saying there? First of all, there are probably several couples in here who adopted the rule in their life. Don't go to bed angry, right? You have black circles under your eyes, I can tell who you are. If you look at verse 27, do you see what it said there? If, if there's anger in your household, you're giving the devil some inroads. You're giving him a place. Remember, remember the first real example of anger in the Bible? Cain and Abel, one brother against another. I don't know about your family, but I can't believe two brothers would fight. Makes no sense. God said to Cain, kind of in the midst of this, this murder, actually, why are you angry? Why has your countenance fallen? In other words, why is there the absolute look of, I want to tear you apart on your face? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you don't do well, sin will lie at your door. And anger, basically, if you look at the, at the context, anger will rule over you. Anger will rule over you. Well, where does your anger come from? What does it take to make you angry? What excuse do you have for your anger? My, my best guess is that if we were to make a list of the three to five stupidest things that we've ever done in life, anger would kind of be a big component of that list. Some people blame other people for their anger. If I didn't live with crazy people, I wouldn't get mad all the time. Right? Anybody ever said anything like that? Some people uh, blame genetics or maybe the environment that they grew up in. I grew up in a household where mom and dad or tough with each other. I grew up in a household with a, 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 a mom or a dad who was very temperamental and anger, angry, and I just kind of inherited that. Some people blame God. They get mad, they kind of make a mess of stuff, and they say, well, this is the way God made me. Well, I think the Bible's pretty clear that our anger is our own choice. And there are several ways that we express our anger. Uh, I, everyone kind of has 
their own length of fuse, don't they? Either it's a short one or a long one, or, or some people don't seem to have any fuse at all. And, and everyone has different triggers that get you angry. Uh, some are really important issues in our life that make us angry, and other things are more trivial. Well, let me tell you what makes me angry. When I'm watching Kentucky play basketball, and one of those boys does something really, really stupid. Really, really, I mean, they're so, they should be, you know, and, and I'll yell and I'll scream and, and it'll just upset me. I've thrown things at my own TV. Soft things, no, soft things. And, and, and then there are other people that say, you know, I can't help I, when I get mad, I just, I just lose it. I, you know, I just go crazy, and I can't help. I can't even begin to control my emotions, my anger. You ever said that? Everybody kind of gets quiet times like this. But you know what I've witnessed? I've, I've done. You ever been in a really huge argument at your house? Let me say this in a nicer way, a debate. Been, you know, slinging mud and calling names and, you know, hoping the neighbors don't hear. Been in a huge argument and just furious. And the phone rings. You're yelling at your husband. You're yelling at your wife. You're yelling at your kids. Yeah, you sorry, so-and-so. Hi. Good morning. Let me tell you what I've seen, because anger, it can spew out at home, it can spew out at work, it can spew out, it can spew out at the church. I've seen people get mad here. Well, that's, it sounds silly, because we're such good, compassionate, wonderful, even-tempered, beautiful-hearted people, but I've seen people get mad here. You know what, I've witnessed as I look out my office window. People coming up to the church, kind of walking in, and they're talking to their husband or their wife or their kids, and you can just tell by the look on their face, and I've read lips a few times and been a little embarrassed. I've seen them just going at it and then walk into the church, and it's like a holy cloud has erupted over top them and shone the light of sunshine into their life and their anger, they're, they're furious with each other and suddenly there's a light of the smile. And I don't believe it's because of the coffee in the back either. Don't tell me that you can't control your anger. That you can't keep from saying some of the things that you say. You see, what I think happens is that anger for us becomes a cover-up so we really don't have to deal with whatever the problem is. We find someone else to take it out, someone else to vent with. And, and if that's who you are, if, if you're one of those folks who it takes almost nothing to get you mad, and you just say whatever you think and, and, and just go crazy, if you've hit the wall at your house, if you've called someone you love a terrible name, 
and, and you've said it before you thought, and, and your best excuse was that you just, you're just an angry person. You're a spewer. That's S-P-E-W-E-R. I want you to write that down. Spewers express their anger. Now, there are a lot of places that you can go to see anger spewing. Let me help you to find a few places. Number one, you can ride with me. Quite often as I travel, people will either come up beside me and gesture. Sometimes they'll wave at me and not use all their fingers. Sometimes they'll blow. I have the ability, and I'm not sure why, to bring that out, that that courteousness out in people as I drive. There's one place. Secondly, have you ever been to, say, a church softball game? You can find that there at times. Uh, have, Have you been to a Cincinnati Bengals game? A lot of anger there at times, too. I don't know what they're going to do about Marvin and Andy, but they need to do something, right? They're just these environments where anger seems to erupt, and it might just be that your home is one of those places. That, that the environment there is one of hostility, one of reproach, one of negativity, one of anger. Proverbs 14, 7 says, Go from the presence of a foolish man when you do not perceive in him the lips of knowledge. What the scripture is saying there is those kind of environments where foolishness and anger, hatefulness rule are not of God. And we need to find a way to change the nature of our household. Spewers just go crazy. There's another group of people that I'll call stewers. Please, please, please draw a distinction between spewing and stewing, all right? Now, stewers are patting themselves on the back right now. And they're saying things like this. You've said it to yourself, you steward you already. Well, I just don't get mad. I just hold it back. And, and I just kind of keep it in. And, 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 and when I keep it in, I, it keeps me from just erupting all over my family. I keep it in. Well, good for you. Good for you. Because... Psalm 32, 3 says, when I kept silent, (laughs) I like this, my bones grew old. (laughs) The rest of you too. My bones grew old through my groaning all the day long. Stewards who who just hold it all in, well, a couple of things are going to happen in their life. Number one, Stewing on something causes emotional damage, doesn't it? Stewers become depressed. Uh, 
bitter. If, if you don't constructively spew and you just instinctively stew and you don't ever deal with it, it's going to cause emotional damage. You're going to be a mess. And, and, and maybe you don't spew on someone, but you're just miserable to be around. The second thing that will happen is this. It will eventually come out, and that anger that you've held in for weeks, months, or years, is gonna, it's going to rain anger in your house. And there's no telling who's going to get hit by it or what you're going to do. Just, just out of curiosity, how many are spewers and how many are stewers? I guess the rest of you have never been mad. <laughs> I, I would suggest that if you're sitting by a stewer right now, you just scoot over a little bit. <laughs> they might take this opportunity to take me up on the message, right? So, if, if, if spewing is not the correct pattern for living and stewing is not, how do we deal with it? You know, what do we do? Remember the classic stewer in the Bible? It's the story that we all know, probably the world's best known short story, the prodigal son. And we all know that the prodigal got his inheritance, left, spent it all, uh, Wine, women, and song eventually came back home, gave his speech of uh, repentance to his father. The father uh, said, you know what? My son's home. I'm going to rejoice. What was lost was found. Father's pumped. He's happy. He gives him a ring for his finger, a robe for his shoulder, kills a calf. They have ribeye that night. And the older son is not excited about the party at all. And you understand what had been happening with him? He'd been stewing since the day the son got the check, the prodigal got the check. He'd been mad. You ever been mad when your brother or sister got something you didn't? I like to talk about that sin because I've never done that. <laughs> yeah. You ever feel like your, your sibling got a little better deal than you? Come on now. And so he's stewing. He stewed for however long it took the uh, younger brother to go to the far country and spend his money, mess up, come back. And his dad said, we're going to have a party. And you heard his, his, his stewing speech, didn't you? Lo, these many years. Anytime someone, you ever had someone say something like that to you? I've been faithful. I've been right here doing the right thing. Lo, or for a long time. I, I, and, and this son of yours comes home. And you want me to go to his party? What are you going to do for me, Dad? Remember what God said? The Father, everything I have is yours. That ought to help us do in speech, I think. But... You understand the basic principle? You may think that you're not an angry person and this sermon doesn't apply to you, but you're holding on to something. There's a grudge there. There's a burden there. there there's something just stewing in you. And, and, and even if you haven't spewed all over someone and you're stewing, 
it's not healthy. So what do you do with anger? If stewing or spewing isn't the right way. Well, the Bible, when it talks about anger, it almost always uses, in fact, I think 15 times, an analogy uh, or, or the analogy of fire. It kind of talks about anger and fire being synonymous. Now, how many of you guys have a fireplace? I mean a real one, not one of those gas things. You cut your wood like a real person does, and you put it in there. Now, we all have those. You flip the switch now, right? Well, anyway, if that fire would erupt from the fireplace, what used to be a good thing is a bad thing, right? Nice when it's where it's supposed to be, not so nice when it's not. Anger can be the same way, right? There can be some negative connotations and some positive ones. There can be some good and some bad. And and so sinful anger is kind of what we've been talking about and what I think 90, 95% of our anger really is. And God speaks against that. God, God says lots of things about controlling that kind of anger. Put it out. Stop it. Bible says in, in, in Proverbs 17, the beginning of strife is like releasing water. Stop. Stop the contention before a quarrel stops, starts. Stop it. Put it out. But here's what happens when we get mad at one another. I yell at Randy, and instead of Randy saying, oh, buddy, don't worry about it, he yells back. You yell at your wife, your child, they yell back. We don't put it out. We we build on it, don't we? Bible says stop it. Stop it before it goes too far, because there are lots of consequences for anger, aren't there? There are folks here today who got angry back there somewhere, and as a result, a relationship was broken. Every divorce has its roots in anger. There are folks who aren't working where you used to work because you got mad. There there, there are people here who uh, have gotten themselves into trouble with the law, because you got mad. Gotten yourself into all kinds of trouble because you got mad. I once got the privilege of leaving school for three days. <laughs> I had a sabbatical because I got mad. When I was a sophomore in high school in gym class. Now, when you're in gym class in school, There are at least 20 guys. And our gym class was playing against another gym class. So we had 20 guys on our field. And I had played shortstop every day. And this jerk, this jerk came over and said he was going to play shortstop. That I didn't have a monopoly on it. 
And I said, I'm going to play shortstop. Now, this is tough. That's important, right? And he said, if you're going to play, you're going to move me. So I did. (laughs) I picked him up, and he got to punching on my head while I was carrying him. So I set him down, and I swung as hard as I could. Because I was mad I wanted to play shortstop. And he turned his head, and I hit him right here, which is not the optimal place to punch somebody, by the way. It's a hard place. And I broke my knuckle and had to go to the hospital, but he had the great big knot. I wish you could see, I wish I'd got a picture of it. (laughs) So I could show you how stupid it is to get angry. And then they let me go home and remain at home for three days. What's the stupidest thing you've ever done while you were mad? I'm not going to ask you to tell someone else because you you don't want them to know. See, it's it's really easy to understand why God says it's, it's vitally important as a believer that you keep your temper in check and why you look a lot like Satan when you're mad. There's another part of anger, too. And, And I hope you understand that this anger is a lot more rare, not nearly as common as sinful anger. It's called sanctified anger. And, and we read about it several places in the scripture. And, and, and what the Bible would tell us to do in the midst of sanctified anger, which I'll explain later, is to fan the flame. You know, to let it roar. To let it burn. And, and Jesus, one place in the temple, as he dealt with the money changers, got angry. He fanned the flame. Here's another. He's in the synagogue at Capernaum, and and, and it's a Sabbath. It's Saturday in the Jewish Sabbath, and there's a guy in in the synagogue, in the church there, who had a withered hand, couldn't use his hand. Jesus saw this guy. He had compassion on him, and he did what we would expect Jesus to do in that environment. He helped him. He healed him. Bible says that the rest of the crowd, the religious leaders, every time Jesus got mad in the scripture, it was at somebody who was really religious. You ever notice that? So he, he's mad. And, and the Bible says this, he looked around at the church people with anger, being grieved by the hardness of their hearts. You think God gets mad at how stubborn and foolish we are at times? Jesus got angry at the hardness of their heart. And he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out. And he was healed. And look in verse 6. Even after witnessing that, the church people, the Pharisees, went out 
and immediately plotted with the Herodians against Jesus that they might destroy him. Destroy him. Righteous anger, sanctified anger can lead to positive actions. When Jesus got mad, something good came out of it because his anger was pointed towards evil. His anger was pointed towards oppression. His anger was pointed towards false piosity, false religion. His anger was pointed towards hard hearts. And and I wonder how long it's been in your life that instead of sinful anger, you had some sanctified anger. You had some, some thoughts that came into your heart about how things aren't what they ought to be, about how our world has gone crazy about how Christians are mocked, about how being political, politically correct seems more important than a relationship with Christ. How long has it been since you have been sanctified in your anger because of craziness, ignorance, and evil in this world? Can I tell you, here's what I think. I think that some of us need to remember that righteous anger can lead to good things, can lead to positive results, positive actions. And more than that, I think we ought to get pumped up about it. I think we're too weak in our righteous anger, aren't we? I think we need to put our righteous anger on steroids. How about this? I think we need to have a Popeye moment. Remember Popeye? There he is. He dated a woman named Olive Oil. I'm not really sure about her. Kind of skinny. I'm not sure what his, his intentions were there. But anytime Brutus would do something to Olive Oil, Popeye would grab a can of spinach. Kind of wish he'd have went with French fries. But he'd grab a can of spinach, he would toss it up in the air, and he would grab it, and somehow he had a can opener right there in his hands, and he would just, you know, swallow it whole. And when he did, this is not going to be a very good demonstration, but when he did, (laughs) right here, what happened? And he was a world beater. How long has it been since something that you believe to be wrong has turned you into Popeye? And and, and I could point towards the government and and towards atheist, Supreme Court. I, I could go in that direction and talk to you about how I have no clue how we decide how we decide and what our government's thinking a bunch of the time. I could start a militia, but I'm not going to. Because I think more importantly than the government are the things in our lives 
that ought to make us angry because they put barriers between Jesus Christ and us. How long has it been because you were mad that you live next door angry, upset because you live next door to a person or down the street from a person and they don't know Jesus and you've done nothing about it? How long has it been since a family member needed to hear what you have to say about Jesus and you were so upset and stewing about their lack of faith that you did something about it? You see, that's righteous anger, isn't it? How long has it been since you got tired of of living in financial strife, decided to change your pattern, maybe came to financial peace, which we're offering right now, and and learned to live within your budget and, and not in the midst of a near mess all the time? How long has it been since you were so angry that an addiction or obsession was literally controlling your life and dampening your joy? And it made you so mad that you were in the grasp of of that evil thing that you decided that you were going to get help to quit. How long since you regretted something that you had a Popeye moment and you said, I'm not going to live this way anymore. I'm not going to allow this thing in my life anymore. I'm I'm not going to go through another day not knowing that things are good between God and I. You see, sometimes I think we need to have that kind of righteous anger and hate the things that Satan has placed in our life and hate them so strongly, so powerfully, that we don't give them lodging or rest in our hearts anymore. You see, what I'm afraid that happens in most of our lives is we we regret things and we sort of dislike them and we just sort of kind of go along to get along and we just make our way, muddling our way through life, struggling with the things of evil, listening to the tempter, following him at times, half-heartedly serving God and living for God with a bundle of sin and pain and emptiness in our lives and we never get so angry about it that we want to change. You see, what angered God more than anything is people who thought they were religious and they thought they knew him and were pleasing him, but in reality they were frauds and their hearts were hard. How long has it been since you had a Popeye moment and you swallowed your spiritual spinach? That's hard to say. You swallowed your spiritual spinach and you gave God the opportunity to change your life. Or you took the opportunity to make a difference in someone else's life. You see, some anger Some anger can be exactly what you need because it will lead you to an incredible life-changing decision. You had enough. You had enough of, of, uh, of the things that have robbed you of your joy, 
You had enough of wondering about eternity? You had enough with bickering and fighting in the home? You had enough of never really feeling the peace? You see, I think you can change those things today with the help of your Creator. I believe that if you're angry enough to quit, that if God's Spirit is powerful enough in your life to convict you that it's got to change, that's the starting point. I believe folks who are lost can be found. Folks who are broken can be healed. Folks who are, are bitter can find joy. I believe that, don't you? And I want to invite you to this altar. And simply to come and pray. Come and share. I'll pray with you. We'll talk about what God can do. We'll talk about how much He loves you. I want to say this. God ought to be furious with me. Because I've been stupid. Haven't you? God ought to be furious with you. Because we've all failed Him. We've all rebelled against Him. We have broken His heart. We deserve His anger. But instead, He gives us compassion. Grace, mercy, forgiveness. And that's what He wants to give you right now. That's what He wants to give you. Not what you deserve, but His grace. going to ask you to come to this altar. Perhaps just share in communion and thank God for His grace if you didn't get what you deserved. But don't leave here today without allowing God to have a say in your life. Pray with me. Father, this invitation's yours. We'll, we are all well aware of the the needs in our life, of of the broken places in our life. We're we're aware of our sin. We're aware of our bitterness and anger, our hatred. We're aware where we failed you and failed others. We give those places to you now. We offer them up to you for your healing, Father. We respond to your call right now.